talk about health authority embracing territory acknowledgement mm. at meetings and at conferences and events is really exciting. How do we support people in asking that question? And how do we support people to be creative once they receive that information? I want to really embrace the traditional language in my acknowledgement. Where do I go or how do I find out how? Hello and welcome back to Interior Voices, an interior health podcast series where we explore the intersection of health and culture in the workplace, our everyday lives, and patient care. I'm Beth Blue, communication support for Aboriginal Health. In episode two, our co-hosts will discuss the importance of traditional territory acknowledgements and provide resources to help us do them in a good way. Our co-hosts today are Chris Murray, practice lead with the Aboriginal Health Team, and Vanessa Mitchell, practice lead for the Aboriginal Health Team as well. So let's dive right in. <laughs> Sounds good. So I feel like this started with talking about the guideline that Interior Health has as a health authority about territory acknowledgement. And it talks about welcoming and it talks about acknowledging First Nation traditional territory for Interior Health. Really just giving basic protocols and some resources to understand where your work site is and what traditional territory it's located on, as well as the communities that you might be working with and we have so many allies across the organization and I think it's been happening for years but it's more how do we support Mm -hmm. our our staff and colleagues to feel comfortable in having that as part of their work day. Definitely. Okay so in terms of talking about why we do territory acknowledgements we wanted to read a paragraph off the website of the Aboriginal Friendship Society of Revelstoke. They have a pretty succinct way of describing it. So the the Aboriginal Friendship Society of Revelstoke says, why do we acknowledge the nations on whose territory we live? And how do we keep that acknowledgement meaningful, not just a quick note to rush through before we get to the, quote, real part of our gatherings? When we acknowledge traditional territory, we recognize that, in fact, people did live here, that those people still have stories about this land and feel strong connections to this area. We resist making those first peoples invisible. We are also making a gesture of reconciliation for past wrongs. This is not to shame people who are living here now. It is merely recognizing the historical fact that other people lost their homes, sometimes violently, and we now live where they once did. And I think that's a really amazing paragraph to share, specific to Revelstoke, but really does talk about the broader context of acknowledgement. Absolutely, and making it meaningful. Yeah, exactly. And I think I really like the part where it's not something, it's not a a script that we rush through at the beginning of our conference or at the beginning of our meeting. It's hopefully something where it's a true recognition of the peoples who lived, live, and continue to share the land with us in the interior. Yeah, and as a reflection over the meaningful relationships that we're working to build within the areas that we work, live, and play. Exactly. So for those areas that might have more than one nation that they are going to be acknowledging, it's really good to be mindful of the wording. And one of the ways that we've heard, you know, being worked into was talking about the converging of the nations and then naming them appropriately, rather than just identifying one at a time. That might be a nice way to do it. Anything you want to add? Yeah, I think I've, I've heard some really great language, and like you said, converging of territories. I've also heard kind of shared lands or shared, and I think it's just really acknowledging that there might not necessarily be one nation who has uh, connections to that area. 
Exactly. So hopefully that will be helpful when it comes to wording if you're in one of those particular areas with an IH. Why it's really important to have that conversation, like you said, is to how do we support people in asking that question? And how do we support people to be creative once they receive that information? Because while the policy certainly does outline what you can use and a kind of acknowledgement 101, for those who have built relationships within communities and who want to embellish on that, I don't think that they should be limited to simply what's referred to in the policy. I know even with the email signatures, there's been some amazing allies out there who have really embellished on that in a good way and in a positive way. I, you know, here's the baseline as a policy, but what can you bring yourself to that when you're doing that acknowledgement as well? I agree. Okay, I think I want to take a step back and talk sure. about what is an acknowledgement. Yes. And what's the difference between an acknowledgement and a welcoming? Because I know we've had questions from our colleagues of when is a territory acknowledgement appropriate? Who does that? Um, and then what is a welcoming? And mm -hmm. who kind of is able to share or offer a welcoming mm -hmm. to Fair traditional enough. territory? So let's start with defining those before we dive into email signatures, <laughs> which is the most exciting yeah. part. The best part of our day is all the emails that we get. Um, but maybe starting with that. So kind of, yes, we have kind of formal definitions, but what in your mind would you define as an acknowledgement and a welcoming? An acknowledgement is really acknowledging the territory on which you're residing on, and that's something that anybody can do because we can do that at our formal meetings or we can also do that through an email signature. Whereas when I think of a welcoming, it's a public gathering that includes more people and um, we want to welcome people to the territory. And that's when I think that you would actually have somebody from the community welcome um, people to the territory. And actually, that's what our people do. You know, when, when I think of, as an Okanagan woman, when I go to other territories, I'm welcomed into the territory and, and vice versa. If I'm hosting something and I'm bringing people together, it's either myself or somebody, you know, not like a knowledge keeper and elder that I would ask to welcome people in. And it's just kind of bringing those people together. Excellent. And I think that we've probably seen instances like that at like conferences where at the beginning of the conference or at the beginning of um, an event, uh, there's someone who's invited from the community or who's participating in the event who shares a welcoming to the territory where we are. And often I think it's given that it's so public, there's people coming from possibly other cities and other towns or other territories. And mm -hmm. so it's just a really chance to embrace where we're working or, you know, living or socializing and um, a really neat way to welcome to the territory. Definitely. So going back to acknowledgement, I think that's where, as you said, anyone can do it. And I think it's something that I know in universities, I think, have really embraced the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's recommendations to make acknowledgement a part of kind of education and mm -hmm. make that um, really integral. And city councils, I've seen acknowledgement become kind of part of protocols for meetings. And I think over across Canada, it's kind of becoming a little bit more well-known as to what it is and um, enacted differently in other places. But Interior Health, I think, is now ready to embrace that acknowledgement at meetings and at conferences, events, like I said. So mm. uh, let's maybe dive back in. Okay. Now that we got the, defini <laughs> the board definition part out of the way, now we know that anyone can do it. Anyone listening to this can do a territory acknowledgement. Let's talk about what that means. Sure. What does that mean? <laughs> let's start with some of the 
questions that we've had from sure. people. I think the first question is, who am I acknowledging? Or, you know, how do I know what to say? Um, how do I know who to, which names or which nations or which peoples? And how do I, how do I go about learning this? Or where do I find that? Yes. And how do I pronunciate? Even That's better That's a question. big one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I know for pr- pronunciation, um, if you are lucky to have relationships with a language speaker from the territory that you're working in, of course, ask them. The other place that we've talked about and we've actually done some investigating around is nations themselves seem to refer to first voices. And we've also looked into that ourselves. So that seems to be a place where people can go to as a website and then find the language whether it's Okanagan or Shushwap, and find the pronunciation. Excellent. So first voices as a tool. And we will, in our podcast, link to any of the resources we speak about. I think that's a really good one to know pronunciation and how to say something, because I definitely think that's the biggest question or, or feeling uncomfortable with an acknowledgement is, how do I say this nation's name? Or um, I want to really embrace the traditional language in my acknowledgement. Where do I go? Or how do I find out how? Definitely. And I think one of the things that we need to make sure to encourage is even if we're learning, we know that we're not always going to say things right. I mean, each of us were learners as well, and we continue to learn. So just making that effort and that practice is still showcasing the initiative and the effort that's being put in. So be gentle on yourself. We're not going to get all of these pronunciations correct, but I think it's so important that the effort is made because without the practice, we're not going to get really need to to know that. I've heard from language speakers and from community that just the effort being made in trying is appreciated. And I think the fact that you're asking the question is so important because it means that you really care about kind of how you're saying things and being respectful. So the effort is there and I think, yeah, we're gonna make mistakes, we all do. So it's just important to, again, be kind on yourself and um, asking questions, asking people you know um, who are from the community or might know someone from the community. So um, there's always options. Okay, so from the Okanagan, for example, I know that some people embrace the term Silch or for Okanagan, and that's actually within the Okanagan Nation Alliance website and throughout their literature and correspondence. And also First Nations Health Authority has used Silch as well to refer to Okanagan. When we start to get to the grassroots people and the communities, I know, for example, in my community, um, a lot of people will say they prefer the term Skelch and um, which is referring to the people and other people have mentioned actually just recently somebody mentioned I heard somebody talking and that they didn't like the term silk because that's actually referencing the language and um, you know when we're starting to think about terminologies we just need to know that there's just as much diversity around terminologies as there are with people and as long as we're following a process and a protocol and we understand why we're using the terms that we're using, we can at least share that. But always have an open ear to when people share that information with you. Um, and as far as when we think of Okanagan and Silk, we know that Okanagan Nation Alliance as a tribal council is using it. We know that First Nations Health Authority is using it. And so that's what we as an organization are going to embrace. However, you know, if community members on the ground with the local relationships that you're building, if they have a different term that they'd like you to use, feel free to embrace that because I think this is a policy that gives us information, but it's also flexible to the needs of the people, I think. 
Yeah, I think it's open to people learning. Like, it really presents that opportunity to learn. And like you said, it's kind of being aware of the terms that people around you are using and whether that's kind of um, your colleagues who have relationships with, say, uh, Penticton Indian Band or have relationships with the Okanagan Nation. So kind of just being open and keeping your ears open to learning. And, um, for example, I was at an event in Tobacco Plains, and so... An acknowledgement there could, for instance, really recognize the Tobacco Plains um, as where you're located, you know, in Tanaha territory. So it's kind of, you know, really being open to recognizing the community, recognizing the nation, and kind of just understanding, you know, it might be just taking a second to know where your worksite is and what territory you're located on, and then kind of dig in a little bit, learn a little bit more. And um, you might have more questions, but that's good because that means you're learning. <laughs> that's what I tell myself anyway. When I walk away with more questions than answers, it means I'm learning something. Definitely. And what you just shared there is also knowing the nation, but also knowing who are the local communities that you're near. Mm-hmm. Because the nation is that large, broad land-based piece, but then there's also communities that are maybe right next door. And I think we have a wonderful opportunity in the interior that we're such a large health authority. We span (laughs) quite the geography. Um, So we have relationships with seven First Nations. We have relationships with the Métis. So it really presents an opportunity to, um, you know, if you travel for work and you're at an event somewhere and you hear an acknowledgement, dig a little bit deeper there and kind of learn more about the territory where you're visiting. And if you're, you know, going from Kelowna to Golden, you're probably crossing a couple different traditional <laughs> territories. So take a second to maybe learn. And um, we get to travel a pretty beautiful part of the province. So it's really, really an opportunity to learn more about where we're traveling. Really good point. Learning from others. You know, if you're at events or conferences where you're witnessing that happen, jot it down and jot the town that you're in. (laughs) And I think I've heard some of the most beautiful acknowledgements from our colleagues across Interior Health that I'm like making notes to myself of the next time I'm sharing an acknowledgement where I am or just because people have such a, who have, you know, taken the time to really think about kind of where they are or where they live or where they've grown up and really just taking a second to embrace that um, as part of their traditional territory acknowledgement. I think it's a really neat opportunity to kind of take notes for yourself and learn more. (laughs) Really good point. There are some amazing allies out there and people out there doing some amazing acknowledgements for sure. So going back a little bit, so we've defined a little bit around acknowledgements. How about we get into the welcoming piece? Yes. So we've (laughs) declared that welcoming, but is that the, how it's referenced in the policy as far as a welcoming? Yeah, welcomings are, recommended in terms of kind of inviting an elder, a knowledge keeper, a community member um, for public events and gatherings. So really open to the general public um, for something like a building opening. So we have health centers and um, even if it's, you know, a wing of a hospital or the new Penticton Tower or things, really exciting events that are happening. And um, there's typically ceremony um, that Interior Health has to open a building or to unveil a piece of art. Um, And we've recommended that a welcoming occur at these events. Awesome. And so what are some of the questions that people will ask when it comes to welcoming for those who might not know? I think who to invite um, as well as what is protocol related to welcoming and anything from kind of reaching out to someone as well as you know what happens the day of or what should I be aware of or um, you know everything from gifts to honoraria to ceremonial medicine and kind of what are the aspects that we should be aware of. Mm-hmm. So what's some good advice that you have out there for folks who are pondering those same questions? 
I would say um, the relationships that you might have already are a really good place to start. Because um, I know that we have so many incredible people across the organization, across the interior, mm. who have relationships. And even if you know, uh, you know, a First Nation health director, but you might not know an elder in the community, it's a really good place to start with the relationships that you do have. Definitely. Um, if you don't have those relationships, I think the Aboriginal health team is a really good place to start, or your colleagues in the local site where you're at. Um, and then I think it's really building those relationships through this is, a, is a, an avenue to go. That's a really good point around talking about the health director or other health staff that you might know, or LPNs, or um, the Aboriginal patient navigator might also know some if you have one in your area, because then at least you're posing the question, knowing that it doesn't always have to be just one department or one program that you can refer to. If you have relationships with folks, definitely reaching out, because the wisdom is in the room. Oftentimes, if we ourselves don't know somebody, even if we ask amongst our team, we might find somebody in our team who has relationships somehow that we can kind of um, pose that question to, to to bring in the appropriate person. And so I think speaking to some of the protocol pieces, um, the policy that Interior Health is working on really stems from what the guidelines had already laid out for um, a protocol, and that was really specific for honoraria. So um, I think common across most if not kind of all welcoming protocols is a really speaking to the piece of honorarian um, whether that's monetary or in some nations it could be a gift or something that's recommended to show the appreciation we've mentioned knowledge keepers and elders yes and so just to kind of share a little bit because somebody might be going what's the difference Good point. <laughs> and so yes absolutely an elder can be a knowledge keeper as well um, the difference is knowledge keepers don't necessarily have to be elderly or of a certain age. They could be any age, really. They could be a youth, they could be an adult, they could be an elder, um, and are referenced and referred to as knowledge keepers in their communities. And an elder would be specifically an el elderly person. And actually, even when we think about the term elder, there are some elders out there who prefer to be called grandmothers or grandfathers rather than an elder. So I just wanted to differentiate the difference between knowledge keeper and elderly from my very simple <laughs> experience because I by no means am a language speaker or um, a knowledge keeper or an elder in any way, shape or form, but it just is something that I go by and that I've witnessed and I think that would be useful to share. Such a good point. I feel like we sometimes get so caught up in the language that we're already using that I completely forget <laughs> to define anything. Or it's like when you hear acronyms and people don't define them and then you just kind of <laughs> skip on and move on. But we will hopefully take a step back to each word that uh, may be something that needs clarification. Now that we've kind of talked about building that relationship, you might have, say you're planning a research conference and um, you've reached out to the local community and you have someone in mind or you've had a relationship with someone who is planning to attend the event and, and provide a welcoming. Um, one thing that we've noted in the policy is that there might be different protocols for different nations or different communities. And I think it's really important that, you know, not everyone and including Vanessa and myself will know all the different protocols <laughs> and likely we will, we won't know, you know, half of them in the organization or in the communities that we work with. So it's really important to ask those questions. And I think it's it can be as simple as asking, is there you know a specific honoraria that I should be aware of? Or is there a specific protocol? Or do you recommend 
a certain gift or offering um, before the welcoming happens. And so asking those questions to get those pieces and not everyone will have the answer on your on your team or on your interior health. So reach out and ask the questions externally. Definitely. And it just makes me think of something my father said, and I'm going to quote you, Dad, <laughs> is uh, oftentimes he's been asked to do different things and his gift ends up being a cup. So there was a phase in his life where he was getting rather a collection of cups. <laughs> and uh, one of his responses back because I think he was getting up to his 10th cup of receiving, um, was he shared, well, it's great that I keep getting these cups, but they always come empty. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just being mindful that um, if you're bringing in the same person, maybe don't continue repeating and giving them the same gift necessarily, particularly in the case of a cup. Although we know we have some really great ones out there. And if we are giving one, making sure that it's got something, whether it's a you know, a card to fill up the cup with some coffee or tea or with something else. One of the things that we really need to be conscientious of is when we're thinking of honoraria that we really look at um, the cash or the check because there are oftentimes people who are coming and rather than a Walmart gift card, for example, they're really wanting gas money or something to pay for a bill or using that money for other things. So I think it's just really important to be mindful of that. For sure. So I think, and going back to one piece on gifting, there has definitely been questions, I think, for our team as to what's an appropriate gift. And I mean, I think we're all pretty familiar with gift giving and it's really, it's no different, I think, culture to culture. It's showing your appreciation for something that you are grateful for and if it's part of your work or if it's part of your life, it it really has the same principles of um, make it meaningful, make it personal. And like you said, we don't all want corporate mugs in our closet. <laughs> um, but I think something like I've seen some beautiful, like people in our organization and people across the interior are pretty incredible with what they, you know, do on the side or what their hobbies are and whether it's making jam or whether it's, um, knitting or something that's just really personal and something that you do, that's a, an amazing gift. And so if you're kind of sharing a card with, you know, a, a jar of homemade jam and your honoraria, I think that's incredible. The same gift giving principles apply no matter who you are or where you are in this world. Um, make it personal and share something of you, share something of, you know, your family. And I think that's whether it's work or life, we sometimes like to split those apart, but let it bleed a little bit into each other and we'll find those personal gifts. Really good point. Really good point. Thank you for listening to episode two of Interior Voices. Visit our website at interiorhealth.ca slash interiorvoices for links to additional information about traditional territory acknowledgements. Please join us again on February 5th for episode three when our hosts talk with Aboriginal patient navigators Deb Donald and Cassie Michelle about the patient care provided by APNs. If you have questions or comments about today's podcast, you can email us at interiorvoices at interiorhealth.ca. We'd love to hear from you. What else do we need? I think we can press pause for now and just see, did it record? (laughs)